This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Man, didn't Pastor Trenton do an amazing job last week? We are so appreciate him. Uh, if you're new with us this morning, I encourage you, would you fill out a connection card so we can get better acquainted with you? They're in the back of your chair back right there, as well as there's a, a QR code that you can scan and it'll do it electronically. But we'd love to better get, uh, get connected with you. And if you will fill that card out, whether it's a connection card, uh, QR code, and you screen that, screenshot that, as well as the paper one, if you take it to the welcome booth out here as you leave, you will get a gift from us, and we would love to be able to bless you with that, give you a little bit of memorabilia, there we go, I can't even say it, uh, of RLC. Today we're stepping back, we're stepping into the fourth week of Make Room. Turn to your neighbor and say, would you move out of the way? Move out of the way. You can kind of give them a little shove if you want to, but move out of the way. Today as we step in, uh, uh, I I love this series, I love what God has been doing in us and through us and particularly in me, I love the fact that God is, is changing my life through this series. I hope, I pray that he's changing your life as well. I pray that he's speaking to you. One of the prayers that we've been praying, one that Trenton was too scared to pray last week, uh, no, but we're going to step back into is, Lord, disrupt my life. You know, uh, disrupt my life. Make me uncomfortable. I can tell you that as I have been praying this since the beginning of the year and I've been looking at, at all the different things in my life, you know, we can't determine where God disrupts us or doesn't disrupt us. How many have discovered that? That sometimes he does those things that are really un- inconvenient, those things that we would, would be the furthest thing that we don't want to happen in our lives. But can I tell you that when God does something, when God brings a disruption in your life, it's for your good and for his glory. He doesn't bring calamity on you to cause you to fall flat and, and, and to go into disaster. He brings things into your life to stretch you and to stir you to get your focus off of you and onto him. How many have discovered in hardship and in disruption that, if, that we have two options, either to be obsessed with us or to be obsessed with him? And our goal, our desire is to be obsessed with him, amen? So God, today as we come, would you lift your hands across this room? God, today across this room, We ask, Holy Spirit, would you disrupt us? Would you alter alter our structure? God, would you change us? God, change me. Would you pray this from from your heart this morning? God, change me. God, would you stir up my life? God, every area where there is complacency, would you stir me? God, every area where there is apathy, would you stir me? God, would you help me to see what you want me to be? Help me to get back to what Scripture declares as following Christ wholeheartedly. And God, today I thank you that you're not a God of condemnation, but you're a God of grace. So God, in the process of, of disruption, God, it often means that we have been, uh, we've, we, we've moved away from what the objective is. And so God, I pray in this, in this moment, there would be no condemnation, but there would just be grace. Would you give us mercy and give us grace to get back to where we need to be? In Jesus' name. God, across this room, would you just lay your hands on your ears? God, today I pray that we would hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say. God, would you remove my voice and would you amplify your voice? 
God, today I pray that it would not just be words of man, but it would be words of your spirit. And God, give us ears to hear those words. As we lay our hands on our hearts, God, we can hear, but God, the next step is obedience to do. God, help us to be Christians, Christ followers, disciples that actively do and are changed by these words that we hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Make room. As I think about this year, I think I, I put a new slide up here for our, our, our road that's going out. If you pull that one up there. I, I love this picture of this hills and valleys as you're driving down a road to go. You know, we can oftentimes see a certain distance, but we can't see past that. And we really don't even know what's over the little mound in the road. And I, what I want us to realize is that this, is a, this year, 2024, today, Sunday, February Fourth, I was going to say second, February 4th is a brand new day that's unlived. This moment that you're in is a brand new moment. And the, the hours after the brand new possibilities are all around us. And I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I think that we oftentimes miss what God wants to do in us. We, want to, we miss what God has in front of us. And these, this year is, is to be marked by these five words, new. God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to enlarge your life. God wants to, uh, to, to stretch your life. God wants to lengthen your life. God wants to strengthen your life. God wants to do all these things in you, but really it has to come back to a place of you saying, God, I make room for you to do all those things. God, I recognize that I need them. And God, maybe sometimes we don't recognize. Maybe you're here today going, Pastor Kevin, I don't really need any of that. Well, maybe you're not aware of it at this moment, but I believe that God wants you to make room so that he can do these things. This idea of making room in your life is to move aside, to clear, to create space for something, to remove that unnecessary stuff that is disordering, that's causing disorder in your life, that's causing distraction in your life. I guarantee today, whether you see it or whether you don't, everybody has something in your life that's cluttering you. Everybody has something in your life that's distracting you from the main objective. And that main objective is to know God and to love him forever. That main objective is to say, God, I want to fulfill your purposes for my life. That main objective has to come back and we have to say, God, these things are keeping me from that. I've discovered as we've been stepping into our our connect groups, that not everyone's grasping the depth of these sermons. And I realize that the Holy Spirit is speaking to different people different ways. And I'm saying, God, would you help us to hear what you're trying to say? Would you help us to grasp this? Because I really believe that these are uh, pivotal messages. I'm not as talented as Trenton, so I copied a, a, a tent offline. And so here's this, so we can see this. Uh, I, I don't have the skill set to draw like he does, uh, you know, because he left this career to pursue this career. And uh, anyway, as you think, the white space is really this illustration of enlarging to go. There are no bounds. And to go, how do I clear out this space? And the, today, as we step into the concept of the actual tent, which is that stretching part, the stretching is, is to increase the capacity. It's to, God, I'm going to make room for something more. I'm going to make room for more people. I'm going to make room for more of you. I'm going to make room for more, more service and more giving. All those things as we step into this. And then we see where Trenton stepped in. I, again, I'm the linear thinker. So when, he stepped, when we stepped out of order last week, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing us back. Okay. Uh, anyway, so then we have the guidelines, which are the lines that he talked about of lengthening, lengthening towards God's purposes. And then we have the stakes, which we're going to talk about next week, the importance of strengthening those stakes. 
Today, I wanna to talk about stretch. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Today, I brought my mini-me. And uh, I thought that he could help me with this illustration today. I was getting ready to walk out the door dressed just like this. And Rhonda says, honey, they can't handle all that. So I put some clothes on and I brought my pal, Stretch Armstrong. How many have ever had a Stretch Armstrong? How many know what these are? You know, they're that cushy feel. They can stretch and they can stretch. And it says that there's this, when they came out in, what was the year? When they came out in uh, 1976, it was billed as a toy that could be stretched up to four times its original size. This concept, this ability to stretch and to elongate. And this idea of stretching is, was fascinating to kids. They could tie them in a knot, you know, and all the different things that they could do and, uh, that was here. Armstrong was this, this mindset, this conception of this blonde hunk bodybuilder that everybody wanted to be like. Everyone wanted to look like, they wanted to be able to be just like him. And what I realized is that he was, you know, as I look back at the advertisements, he was this modern day superhero that really didn't have a comic strip. He was panned as this man that could stretch to be the height of a building. It was a man that could put his arms around the world. It was this whole concept of this power of stretching. And I realized today, what I would like you to understand is I believe that the ability to stretch is a real superpower. The ability to stretch is a superpower. Now, I'm not talking stretching like Mr. Armstrong here. I'm talking about the ability in our lives to be flexible and pliable. I believe it's a superpower that God wants to use. And he's looking for people in this room. He's looking for people in our culture today that are willing to be stretched. And I would ask you today, are you rigid or are you flexible? Are you rigid in your behaviors, rigid in your patterns, rigid in your beliefs? Or is there flexibility to go, no, I know that there's got to be more of God. There's got to be more of an understanding of who he is. This word stretch is this. It correlates with lengthen and the fact that it says to extend. But to stretch is to extend by physical force without breaking. To extend by physical force without breaking. Meaning there's got to be tension on your life to stretch you. How many have realized that we don't just naturally stretch ourselves? It's why the book of Isaiah is challenging this barren woman to stretch out her tent. A secondary uh, definition is to strain beyond natural limits. When we think about our lives, how many of us like to live stretched? How many of us like to live in strain? And oftentimes we come up against this idea that, that we have our capacity and we like our capacity, but this concept of stretching is demanding us beyond our capacity. This idea that God wants to do something beyond our capacity, beyond our resources. He wants to make maximum use of you. And I believe that we have simplified our lives in ways, dumbed our lives down in ways that keep us from stretching and accomplishing his purposes. In 2014, uh, I ran my first half marathon and uh, 
there was a three to four month period of time prior to that of great workouts, of prepping and training, of running three miles a day, four days a week, and on the fifth day, doing a longer run like five miles, and then the following week could be six miles, and the following week could be seven miles, and eventually working up to 11 miles. This was a three to four month process, but I realized in my first half marathon that I did not value the power of stretching. I didn't value the power of stretching. I was like going, ah, no, you just got this. And can I tell you, three weeks prior to my marathon, after I had done months of running, hours of running, miles of running, I was on a long run. I was at 11 miles on a 12-mile run, 11 miles, and I pulled my hamstring. And I was deflated. I was discouraged. I was like going, I have done all of this. I went to my physical therapist and he was going, you know, if you would have stretched, you could have prevented this injury. If you would have stretched, you would have been able to accomplish what it is that you were asking your body to do. Fortunately, through the miracle fingers of him and all that he did, he was able to to tape and to massage and to do all the things that were there. And I remember the pain, I remember the burning sensation every time I would walk. And he goes, Kevin, you're not gonna injure it any worse by running this marathon. I just don't know, can you endure it? Can you endure it? And I ended up running that marathon that day or that, that couple weeks later. And, uh, but I, it took weeks, a couple months for my body to recover. And I could have prevented it by this idea of stretching by straining the limits of my muscles, by straining the limits of my joints, by stretching out those things. Today, we're not just talking about stretches that help athletes. We're talking about stretches that really do help all of us, physical stretches. How many know that stretching empowers your body? Stretching does something for you. It may hurt in the moment, but how many know it always feels better afterwards? Stretching keeps the muscles flexible, strong, and healthy. We need that flexibility to maintain a range of motion in the joints. Without it, without it, the muscles shorten, become tight. That puts you at risk for joint pain, strains, and muscle damage. Stretching once today won't magically give you perfect flexibility tomorrow. If you are someone that is wanting to, to use this magic, magic tool of stretching, you need a, con- a continual lifestyle of stretching it, takes, it has taken months for you to get tight in your muscles and in your joints. It won't be flexible in one or two sessions of stretching. But I've also learned that this idea of stretching is not as easy as it looks like. If you watch stretches online and you've watched certain things that they need to do, and it's these athletes, athletes that are gymnasts that are like flexible. They can put their leg around their neck and all this sort of stuff. And you're like going, oh, I can barely even lift it up to my knee. This concept that they make it look so easy, and, and the, but you have to push beyond the ease. There has to be this place where there's effort. There has to be a place of discomfort. Oftentimes, stretching can be painful. And it's a similarity in our own lives. When every area of our life, if we want to be flexible in our bodies, we have to practice stretching. If we want to be flexible in our thinking, we have to f- practice stretching our understanding and, our, and, our, and grow in our thinking. And if you want to stretch spiritually, you have to put yourself in situations that are beyond your current capacity. You have to put yourself in situations and you have to strain 
to your limits. There's something that's going to be there. It could be painful. When we talk about this disruption, can I tell you, I'm hearing testimonies, people, when Pastor Kevin, I don't like this prayer because this happened. And I want to challenge you that things may happen and they may look bad. And you're going to hear it today. They may look bad, but God's using it to do something in your life. The reality is stretching challenges our current capacity. And that's what I really want us to focus on a little bit here this morning. This word capacity is the ability or power to do something. It's to, to reach this maximum amount of potential. Something is there that you're not, that, that you're limiting the capacity of what's there. How many know that God is in us? How many know that God created us and God created us with unlimited ability in him? And many times we see situations and we limit ourselves this way. Life is filled with challenges. Today, uh, I got a couple things that I want to, we all have this different idea of rubber bands. We have a little tiny one that's here for hair, one of Cam's. And then we have a normal rubber band that you're going to see in your house. And then we have this gigantic rubber band that, and all of them have different capacities, right? As we look at, we begin to think about it, they're different sizes, different colors, different capacities are used for different things. Today, oftentimes we come and we go, I want this size of rubber band in my life. I want this size of stretch. I want this size of capacity. How many realize that the only way these rubber bands are any good is if tension is put on them? The only way they're going to be usable is if they're stretched. The only way they're going to be effective is if you, if you bring them to the fullness of their stretch. Now, if you go too far, you're going to have damage. Just like you go too far, you're going to have damage in a, in a muscle. There's that process of, of this healthy tension that God wants to put in our lives. Today, we can think of the different uses of rubber bands, and I can uh, shoot a rubber band. We can use it as a hair tie. You know, one of our favorites in, in school was this concept here that you would, when the teacher's not looking, and you'd shoot it and hit someone with it, you know, and be nonchalant. But this idea, just like a rubber band has to be stretched to reach its purpose, can I tell you today, you as a human have to be stretched to reach your purpose. You have to be pushed beyond your limit of what you think. Many of us want this, and we start out like this. And can I tell you, it's not about the size. It's about fulfilling the capacity of where you're being stretched. Can I tell you that, that you may start out like this, but as God stretches you and as you yield to him and your heart is flexible to him, you're going to graduate to this. And eventually, you're going to graduate to this. Because God's saying, I want to enlarge you. I want to stretch your capacity. I want you to be effective. John Maxwell says this, growth stops when you lose the tension between where you are and where you could be. Where you are and where you could be. This rubber band right here has no value with it just being what it is. Until it is stretched. Until it's here to where it can go. And God says that same idea as John Maxwell, there's got to be tension in our life. An unknown writer says, comfort zones in our lives are like Peter's boat. Small, familiar, and comfortable places that we can handle ourselves until a storm arises and shakes us out of our complacency. Can I tell you that many of us go through life just with the rubber band? 
and we're not stretching and then all of a sudden something happens and it goes so big that it breaks. And we don't understand why we've had calamity in our life. We don't understand why that happened is because we were not allowing that tension to work in our lives. T.S. Eliot says this, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Can I tell you, these rubber bands are extremely resilient. They have a lot of play. They have a lot of, of ability in their lives. And can I tell you today that we can trust God that when God stretches us, he's not going to stretch us to break us. Do you hear me, church? He's going to stretch us to utilize us. He's going to stretch us to make us the best that we are. Isaiah 54 one through five, sing a barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, uh, you, uh, who, you who were never in labor because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, you will, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, your descendants will dis- dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Stretch your curtains wide. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Stretch out the capacity of who you are. Don't hold back. It's not about comfort. I wrestled today many times with how I should approach this topic and even should I, what kind of story should I tell? Which Bible story should I share with you? Because can I tell you that the Bible is filled with stories of God stretching humanity to accomplish something. And rather than landing on one, I just realized that probably I'd be better served in revealing to you the many different characters that were stretched. And so I have picked a few to kind of amplify to you this morning. But a phrase that I want you to carry through this, this, this sermon today that I would love for you to take away, it's not our human ability that gets God's attention. It's our stretchability that captures his gaze. It's not our human ability that gets God's attention. It's our stretchability that captures his gaze. What I want you to understand, there's two different, under, two different words here. Attention is someone that catches a glance. Can I tell you that God, God may glance at your ability? You may be out there doing feats and he might glance at your ability, but he's going to gaze at you and look at you when he sees you're stretchable. It's not a matter of what you can do in you. It's a matter of are you willing to let him stretch you? Today, I want to give you four things about stretchability. Stretchability, number one, pushes beyond excuses. Pushes beyond excuses. Common excuses that we see in our lives today is I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not talented enough, I'm too poor, I'm not smart enough, I'm too tired, I don't have enough time, people don't think I'm capable, I'm just not lucky, I didn't have the right teacher, I don't have enough education, I will start tomorrow. Anybody ever use that, edu- that, that excuse? I don't believe in myself, I don't think I can do it. How many have used an excuse this week? Come on, be honest. Raise your hand if you've, be, if you've used any form of excuse. You've, we've, we're, we're all excuse makers. The problem with excuses is that they eventually become your truth. Your excuses become your truth. When you live in your excuse, they become your identity and your label. 
When we come and go, I'm too old, it becomes our label. When I say I'm too young, it becomes our label. I'm not, I'm not smart enough, it becomes our label. We begin to convince ourselves that our excuse is our reality. Can I tell you today in America, in this room, there are a lot of people that have pronounced excuses over your life and your result is what you are today. When God says there is capacity that is being unused at this moment. It's natural for us to look at our natural abilities and our strengths, and it's natural for us to compare them. Pastor Trent last week says to count the cost, to evaluate the cost. Yes, we need to go, am I capable? Do I have the capacity? But can I tell you that God is not looking at your natural capacity? He's going, can I stretch you to the greater capacity? What you don't know is there's so much more potential, Kevin. What you don't know is there's so much more you can do if you will just allow me to stretch you. God wants to call us beyond what we think we do, can do to what he can do through us. Can I tell you today that God has heard every human expo- excuse in the books? Can you think of your last time that you made an excuse to God? What's the last time you made an excuse to God? What was that excuse? The devil made me do it. It's the woman you gave me. What is that excuse? Well, God, no, I worked hard for that money, and so therefore I don't want to, I, I, I can't afford to give it to you. You know, God, I, I don't have time, so therefore, God, I, I can't serve you in the church like I should. Those excuses that we, that run rampant in our lives, this concept in our culture today that says, let's put boundaries around ourselves, these healthy boundaries that are self-protecting to go, no, I've got to monitor my energy and I want to go, can I tell you that what, what if Jesus would have monitored his energy on the cross? No, God had to stretch him and he was God's son. God had to stretch him for him to accomplish what it was that God had set out for him to accomplish. This word, excuse, is to make allowances for or to justify your shortcomings. Can I tell you that many of us are so quick to justify why we didn't do something rather than to go, no, it's me, I'm, I'm wrong, I did, I should have done. We have to have this excuse for justification rather than going, no, I'm guilty, I didn't do. Accepting responsibility. Biblical excuse makers, we see Jesse, the father of David, saying, you know, David's not here, my youngest son's not here, because he's insignificant. He's, tending off, he's off tending the sheep. We see the rich young man that came to Jesus, and Jesus says, if you want to follow me, sell everything. He goes, I have too much. I can't do this. It's going to cost me too much. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, he says, I'm an old man, and my wife is, is also old. The real estate investor, when, he, when Jesus said, go out on the highways and byways and compel them to come in, and this real estate investor says, I, uh, I can't come, I'm too busy, I just bought a field. The bridegroom says, I just got married. Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak, I'm too young. Sarah says, I'm too old and I'm worn out and my husband's too old and too worn out. Moses, I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. Today I want to tell you that the Bible is filled with human excuses. Filled with human excuses. And stretchability pushes beyond an excuse. One that I want to look at today is Gideon. When we meet Gideon in the Bible, we find him hiding in a wine press. 
Isn't that a great quality of a leader? He's thrashing wheat. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon, didn't really say a whole lot. He says to him, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Can I tell you, Gideon's like going, mighty who? Who are you talking to? I'm a wimp. I'm down here threshing wheat. I'm afraid of the Midianites. Jesus, God was immediately calling to stretch his self of, our view of himself. The Lord, the Lord called Gideon to save Israel. And it goes on in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 6. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Gideon responded saying, pardon me, my Lord, but, I, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family. Today, oftentimes, God calls us to something to stretch, to give us an opportunity to stretch. And he's not, he's not shocked by our excuses. Because I believe that he knows humanity is filled with excuses. But he's looking and going, will you stretch beyond your excuse? Today, I don't know what your excuse is. I don't know what it is that, that you have settled in your life. But God doesn't need your ability. God needs your availability. God doesn't need your skill set. He's God. He's actually the one that gave you your skill set. Bob Goss says this, God often uses the least qualified, most available, most available people to get things done. God chooses you for your stretchability. Today, I want to ask you before we go to point two, are you stretchable? What excuse are you bringing to God and are you holding that excuse so, so, so adamantly against him to go, God, I, I, gotta, I, I gotta protect my time, I gotta protect my health, I gotta have soul care. Can I tell you that God's not gonna ask you to do anything to harm you? He's not gonna ask you to stretch too far that compromises you. Can I tell you who does compromise you? Satan, the world, your flesh, all those things. The reason we can make all these excuses to God is our lives are filled. And that's why this importance of decluttering and saying, God, would you stretch me? Would you fill me? Would you stretch my capacity for your kingdom? Stretchability number two is God choosing the ordinary. It goes along with point number one. God loves to use those who do not, that would not be normally found as extremely usable. I know today, this term, ordinary, might make you feel insulted. Why? Because in our culture today, we want to be above average. We want to be noticed by our giftedness and our ability we have this fascination that we look at superstars all around our culture today and we can applaud their efforts and see how magnificent they are. And therefore, we begin to compare ourselves with them to go, no, look at them and I'm not quite there. But can I tell you something? Our resistance of being ordinary often, often limits our ability to stretch. We either want to prove our abilities and we often fall short or we end up in pride thinking more of ourselves than we ought. God today is going, would you just be happy with being ordinary? Would you turn to your neighbor and say, you are ordinary today. 
Rather than than that being an insult, rather than that being something that is degrading to us, can I tell you, that should be something that gives us confidence to boast in. No, I am ordinary, but God is extraordinary. I am ordinary, but God is bigger than me. This idea of ordinary is normal or usual, possibly even inferior according to society. When we talk and we go, well, you're just ordinary, it's kind of like, you know, you're just below average. And can I tell you when God says you're ordinary, he's going, you're ordinary and I get to use you. Can I tell you, we should glorify in our ordinariness. In the Bible, God always chose the ordinary to do the extraordinary. It's not, remember, it's not our human ability that gets God's attention. It's our stretchability. It's that ordinariness that captures his gaze. The disciples who left a mark uh, on this world, they were stretchable. And they, they left their nets and everything comfortable and they followed Christ. Swindoll says this, Jesus did not choose those with great power or influence to be his disciples. He didn't choose any of the scribes, Pharisees, or Sadducees, any of the masters at the law. Instead, he chose ordinary people like you and me. These were ordinary men and women empowered for an extraordinary task by an extraordinary God. There were 12 men ordinary men who came from a variety of backgrounds. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all fishermen. The lowest class in culture. Well, no, I shouldn't say the lowest. Shepherds were the lowest, but the lower, the lower class. Matthew was a tax collector, one who was hated and despised. Simon was a zealot. He was part of a, a, a radical group of violence. But none of them, none of them were trained as teachers in the law. None of them came from religious leadership of that day. This, uh, he goes, Swindoll says this, this ragtag group of ordinary people who responded to Christ's call would change the world forever. Can I tell you where we are today as the church of Jesus Christ originated with Jesus himself, the author of the church, which he called 12 men? to go into the world and preach the gospel. Pretty impressive. Acts 4.13, we can see where uh, after Jesus had ascended and the Holy Spirit had come, the disciples, uh, Peter and John had been arrested. They had just performed this miracle outside the temple gates. Yeah, the temple gates where they raised a man from, from being lame. And they gather a crowd and they begin to testify of God's greatness. Two ordinary men that were unable to communicate were communicating to multitudes. The scribes and Pharisees came, religious leaders, and they arrested him. In Acts 4.13 it says this, when the religious leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, uh, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Can I tell you, what alarms me in our culture today, what makes me sad in our culture today, and I'm all for making your gift the best gift that you can have. But can I tell you, when we get up here and we tout a gift that we might have, we remove the astonishment of what God can do in our lives. We remove this concept that people can look at our lives and go, man, they must have been with Jesus. That was the thing that set them apart, was not their extraordinary abilities. It was this extraordinary God that they had spent time with, and God did something in their lives. Jesus picked ordinary, uneducated men to change the world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure 
in jars of clay. Can you imagine with me this chunky red clay that, of a jar that has, it's not even pretty. It's not something you'd set on your table. It's just a utilitarian piece of object. Paul is comparing his life with this aspect of going, but we have this treasure in ordinary jars of clay. This treasure, that treasure is Christ to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Why is it that God chooses ordinary? He's looking for someone that's stretchable, someone that's ordinary. Why? Because he doesn't want to compete with your ego. He doesn't want to worry about your pride. He wants you to realize that you're there to glorify him. He wants you to realize that the gifts that you have are given from him, that your life is his. Number three, stretchability is your decision. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's your decision. I don't know if you realize this, but your decisions can change the trajectory of your life. I want you to think about it. Your decisions can change the trajectory of your life. The decision you make today of whether you're going to do this or this or this will impact tomorrow. Can I tell you today, your decision to come to church is changing the trajectory of your life. Your decision to come and to hear this message, to hear this challenge is changing the trajectory of your life. It's a choice that you're coming and going, God, I, I have something to wrestle with this morning. This idea of stretchability, uh, uh, this decision, is, is, you have to decide either uh, to make, take the action of obedience and a step of faith or to set idle. This idea of stretchability. We're presented with the truth and we have to go, okay, God, I'm going to step out in obedience. Okay, God, I'm going to take a step of faith. God doesn't want us just to be limp. God doesn't just want us to be idle. God says, here's the truth. Will you be stretched by it? Will you obey what I'm saying? Will you walk in faith to what I'm saying? Our stretchability is based on this openness of our heart's flexibility, this ability to pivot to God's leading in our lives. As the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning and there's conviction in our lives, we're, we're confronted with, am I going to obey and am I going to walk in faith? Isaiah says this, God's thoughts and God's ways are higher and greater than our thoughts and ways. Can I tell you what is so striking to me about this is that often you and I want to reduce God to our level. To go, God, my thoughts are this. Do you, you agree with my thoughts, right, God? My way is this. God, you agree with my way, right? And what we've done is we've limited God from his magnificence and his greatness. And that's why Isaiah is coming and going, God says, my thoughts are way up here and my ways are way up here and your thoughts are way down here and your ways are way down here. This tension between here and here is I want to pull you closer to me. As you get closer to me, your life is going to change. God presents us with opportunities not to be perfect, 
but to grow. I think of the story of Abraham and this idea of decisions. Abraham in 11, Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and he went. Isaiah, or Abraham. Abraham, go to this land. I'm not telling you where it is. Abraham, going, God, I want more direction. God, I need more clarity. God, what do I need to do? Abraham, I just want you to obey me. I want you to take a step of faith. Can I tell you that Abraham would never have reached his potential? He would never have been the father of many nations if he would not have stretched and obeyed. How often are we missing opportunities in our lives because we're not stretching? We're not allowing God to take us beyond our capacity. It goes on and says, by faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful to his promise. Today, we have to look at our lives and say, God, I want a miracle in my life. And that stretchability is, only, is, is what produces the miracle. Mother Angelica says this, unless you are willing to do the ridiculous, God will not do the miraculous. The reason we don't see the miracle working God in our lives is we're not willing to do the ridiculous. We're not willing to stretch. We're not willing to take that step of obedience and faith. God didn't show up in Abraham's life until Abraham actually got on his camel and got all of his stuff together and started moving his family. And little on little, God revealed himself to him. Number four, lastly, stretchability reframes the stretch. Stretchability reframes the stretch. I have learned this last year the power of reframing circumstances. This word reframe is a process of reconceptualizing a problem by seeing it from a different perspective. How many know that our perspectives can be skewed? How many know that when you're in the middle of a crisis, and you're in the middle of pain, you're in the middle of grief, you're in the middle of suffering, you're in the middle of hardship, how many know that your perspective can just shrink? Right? Am I, am I correct? Am I talking to the right people? Anybody out there have real life? Life gets hard, and your perspective just goes, whew. And you begin to look at you and you begin to look at your circumstances and you begin to see how unfair life is to you. This idea of reframing is to come back and realize you are not the victim of a circumstance. Can I tell you across our, our culture today, everyone's wearing the label of a victim. In our church today, I hear people in conversations, you're wearing the label of a victim church hurt. I was hurt. Can I tell you, I apologize for all church hurt. We're human and I'm going to hurt you, not intentionally. Can I tell you the church has hurt me, but I have to reframe the concept. We're not a victim of. We're not a victim of. Hardship comes. Sin has come. Degradation has come into our culture. You're not a victim of a circumstance. Can I tell you how do you reframe it? That you've been trusted with a trial. You've been trusted with a trial that God looks at your life and he says, you have the capacity in me to conquer this.
You can look at your addiction today and you go, no, it's too big for me. And God says, in me, it's not too big. You've been trusted with this. Will you let me stretch you? You've been trusted with a sickness and a pain. Can I tell you, we've not done it masterfully, but I can tell you as we walk through cancer, we've had to step back and go, we're not victims of cancer. God's trusted us with a trial, an opportunity to glorify him, an opportunity to point attention to him. Not only is this trusted with a trial, but yes, he's been given, we've been given an opportunity. Reframing isn't about pretending a situation is great when it's not. Rather, it's about discovering what could be great, what you could learn by, the, by, by consequence or how you can use the situation to create a better outcome. Can I tell you, you never win by being a victim. You never win. Today we are here in this, in this room and you've been a victim of your past. Well, I was raised this way and my parents did this. Can I tell you, stop being the victim. God, you gave me this, so therefore, what do I need to step into? God, I've learned. God, therefore, I'm not going to be like. Ultimately, stretching helps us to see open doors of opportunities. This word opportunity is to see a set of favorable favorable circumstances that make it possible for you to do something. Can I tell you, as much as we didn't like the big C thing in our lives, God gave us a platform to stand on that we would never been able to stand on before through the opportunity of cancer. Now, God doesn't give cancer. I want you to hear that today. But God allows those things in our lives. And rather than being a victim of, we can go, no, God, I'm not going to be a victim of. I'm going to reveal your glory in the middle of all this. Challenges and difficulties are not hindrances, but they're opportunities for God to showcase his power through your stretchability. Matthew chapter 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. Not just oh, wow, there's a ghost. Ooh, no, they were terrified. They were shaking. They were, they were wondering. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, Lord, if it is you, Peter, reframing the circumstance. Lord, if this is really you, tell me to come on the water. Jesus said, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid and began sink to sink. And the Lord immediately saved him. Can I tell you that oftentimes we get so caught up that Peter sunk when the reality is, is that in this crisis, in this situation, he, God chose a common ordinary man that said, God, if this is really you and this is not a terrifying situation, would you tell me to come? And God says, come, and Peter stepped. What I want you to pause here and realize is this. There is a span of time between the come and the step. We don't know how long it was. We don't know if there was a hesitation. We don't know if Peter jumps out of the boat immediately and just starts heading towards Jesus. But can I tell you that we are confronted every single time a a storm arises in our life. To say, God, are you in the storm? 
God, where are you in the storm? If it's you, God, tell me to come. And God says, it's me, but you have to step. And sometimes that duration is longer. Sometimes that duration takes a while because it takes us a while to reframe it. Peter walking on the water was an opportunity that would never have happened without the storm. It would never have happened. He would never have been challenged to walk on the story, walk on the water. Can I, t- could the, can the Bible be the Bible without this story? Yes, it can. But can I tell you what I see in this story is the magnificence of God. When Jesus sent the disciples out in the boat to face a storm, Jesus, God was engineering circumstances to bring them to a deeper revelation of who Jesus was. And can I tell you today, in your circumstance, whether it's a trial or just a common stretch in your life, God's going, I want to reveal myself to you in a different way. But unless you stretch, you're not given an opportunity to, to reveal himself. You're not going to see his power. You're not going to see his revelation. You're not going to see all the things that God wants to show you. William Borden was born in 1887 to one of the wealthiest and most powerful families in Chicago. In 1904, William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school. As heir to the Borden Dairy Estate, he was already a millionaire. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave 16-year-old Borden a trip around the world. As the young man traveled from, through Asia and the Middle East and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. Finally, William Borden wrote home about his desire to be a missionary. One friend expressed surprise that he was just throwing away his life to be a missionary, throwing away his wealth. In response to this, William wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves no reserves. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to give it all to God. During his college year, William Borden, years, William Borden made one entry in his personal journey uh, that defined what his classmates were seeing in him. This, that entry said this, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. Upon graduation from Yale, Borden turned down some high-paying job offers as well as offers to past churches in his Bible, he wrote two more words below no reserves. He said, no retreats. I'm not going to turn back. I don't care what the offer is. I'm not going to keep pursuing. I'm not going to keep stretching. Borden went on to graduate work at Princeton Seminary in, in New Jersey. When he finished his studies at Princeton, he sailed for China because he was hoping to work with Muslims. He stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic. While there, he contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden had died. While on his deathbed, he wrote two more words in his Bible, no regrets. He's able to come and go, there's no retreat. God, I don't care what people say. I'm not going to retreat. I'm going to keep on stretching. I'm going to keep on giving all of my reserves. There's no regrets in my life. And when news of William Borden's death was cabled back to the United States. Nearly every American newspaper carried this story. A wave of sorrow, it says, went around the world. Borden not only gave away his wealth, but he also gave himself away. Can I tell you today, when we think of this idea of stretching, God's going, are you going to stretch with reservation? Well, God, I'll, I'll stretch a little. 
And God goes, but you have so much more capacity. God, I'll stretch within this confines. I want to reserve this for myself. And God goes, I don't want any reserves. Isaiah 54, stretch your curtains. Do not hold back. Do not hold back. Can I tell you, there is no limit to what God wants to do in you and through you. There is no limit what God wants to do in us and through us at Relevant Life Church. Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, says now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than you are, I can think, ask, or even conceive according to his power. I wanna ask you today, before I get to my last five little things real quickly, what is limiting you? What is limiting you? February 4th, 2024, would you identify what's limiting you? What's your common excuse? What excuse do you need to eliminate from your life? Where do you need to act in obedience and step out in faith? Where are you over-impressed with ordinary human ability but need to be obsessed with God's ability? Where do you need to reframe the stretch and see the opportunity? And can I tell you today, we need to step into William Borden's concept of go, there are no reserves, there's no retreat, and there's no regrets. Amen? Heavenly Father, across this room, I thank you for those that are here. I thank you for their obedience. God, I thank you that there is a Holy Spirit tension in this room. God, I pray. I pray a strong prayer. God, don't let anybody slip through without feeling stretched today. God, would you help them to realize that in you there are no limitations? God, I thank you that you're a God of grace. And God, you can use all of us. So God, would you use us today? God, would you use me? Would you say that to him? God, use me. Come on, God, use me. Would you even be willing to say, God, stretch me? God, God, stretch me. Stretch me, God. God, I thank you today for the power of your word. Change us, transform us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our prayer warriors are coming to the front right now to pray with you. If you're here and need prayer, would you let them pray with you? Would you let them encourage you? Maybe it's an area that you need to stretch and you need to let them pray over that area as well. Remind, remember, there is a lot of activities going on this next couple of weeks. There's connect groups on Wednesday. Tonight is the big kids event. And there are so many other things that are on, on the verge uh, on the calendar. Make sure you go to our, our uh, app and, and register for whatever it is that you're interested in. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.